know, Pastor Joe Booker is one of my dearest friends. We had his dad here a few months ago, and uh, his dad is a phenomenal preacher. But Pastor Joe Booker is one of my favorite preachers. I listen to him. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, who do you listen to preach? I said, I listen to Joe Booker all the time. Praise God. And uh, so Pastor Joe Booker from Rialto, California, come and preach the word to us. Amen. We love and appreciate this great man of God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Prado. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It is so good uh, to be here with you. And uh, this is uh, my first time to be here um, in person, but I will tell you, I've been here a lot in prayer, and uh, we are so excited to be about all that God is doing here in this church. Anybody know that you're a part of something special? Amen. God is doing great and mighty things, and uh, we love and appreciate all of you. And uh, just to come and see what the Lord has done. I'm going to tell you, God is doing great things all across the world. And uh, it's never, I know it's interesting time. I know it's, it's been a, uh, well, it just, it's an interesting time when you talk to elders and they say that they've never seen something quite like this. But I'll also tell you that this is a revival time. This is a revival time. And I would rather be living for Jesus right now in March of 2021 than any time in history. I believe it's a time for the church. We've got the promise, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. And that promise is being acted out here. I'm telling you, it feels good to be in here and to see what the Lord is doing. I was, I was blown away when I pulled in the parking lot. First of all, I think it's the first time I ever preached at a church that was on the beach. I mean, what in the world? You guys are spoiled rotten. And I'm so glad to be here and then to walk into this building and everything just just right, just done so well. And this stuff doesn't happen by accident. There's a lot of work going on around here. And a lot of people that have uh, just given themselves to the work of God, the things of God. Amen. And again, aren't you just glad to be with God's people in God's house? Amen. Amen. I do want to say this. It'd be wrong to not say this, that uh, how much I love and appreciate um, your pastor and uh, their family. And uh, brother and sister Prado, they are some of our, my wife and I, dear, dearest friends. And uh, we love them very much. I wish he hadn't said that about whatever, about my preaching. Because that's what I was going to say. Your pastor is one of my favorite preachers. And I, I think he was putting on, I am honest, amen. He's an honest man. But I'm telling you, he has blessed our church so many times. And uh, Inland Lighthouse has, has been uh, just tremendously benefited by them so we love and appreciate them all of their family and have known them for a long long time and these are great great people of God amen well anybody ready for the preaching of the word today man it feels good in the house of the Lord I feel like there's a right environment for preaching why don't you stand with me amen I want to read from the book of Genesis chapter number 23 Genesis chapter number 23, and I uh, heard somebody recently say that there's kind of an unwritten, unwritten rule in preaching. Uh, we shouldn't have a text that's too long. Well, I think rules are made to be broken, so we're going to read the whole book of Genesis. Is that all right? No, pretty close. I'm going to read the whole chapter, Genesis chapter 23, 
Amen. I want to say so good to be here with all of these young people. And uh, that's a sign of a healthy church when you see gray heads and young people. There's a prophecy. I believe it's in the book of, uh, it's one of the minor prophets. He's, he's prophesying about the millennium, the millennial reign. And he says that there will be old men sitting in the gates and children playing in the streets. That's a sign of revival. Amen. Thank God for elders. Thank God for kids, young people, young men and women that love this truth. Amen. Genesis 23, if you have it, say amen. The Bible says, and Sarah was 120, or 107 and 20 years old. Bless her heart. That's, that's, that's old. And you know, as far as I know, and I have checked some, that's the only time in the Bible where a woman's age is given. It's like even God is careful about talking about a woman's age. She was 127 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. The Bible says, and Sarah died in Kerjath Arba. The same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abram came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And the Bible says, Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth saying I am a stranger and a sojourner with you give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight and the children of Heth answered Abraham saying unto him hear us my lord thou art a mighty prince among us in the choice of our sepulchres bury thy dead none of us shall withhold from thee his sepulcher but that thou mayest bury thy dead and Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land even to the children of Heth and he communed with them saying if it be in your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight hear me and entreat for me to Ephron the son of Zohar Abraham already had a piece of land picked out and there's a there's an interplay that's happening here that you you read it and you get it from the King James which is the version that I, I love and use primarily. But when you read it in some other versions, maybe the, some of the subtleties pop out a little more. And that is this. I want you to notice it as we read that Abraham is all about buying a parcel of ground. He's got the money in his pocket. He's ready to go. He's here to do business. We're talking about my wife and we're talking about burial. When it comes to burial, it's serious business. I'm ready to buy the ground. But this dude that Abraham wants to buy it from keeps using this other verbiage. He's, he kind of talks like, he, you know, it's not that big a deal. We'll just kind of give it to you. Which, by the way, he did not mean at all. It was really just posturing himself to get the price higher. And so they're having this conversation. Verse 9, he says that he may give me the cave of Machpelah which again, in other versions, it's very clear that he's saying sell, which he hath, which is in the end of his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of a burying place among you. And Ephraim dwelt among the children of Heth. Anyway, this man stands up and notice what he said in front of all the people of the land in verse number 11. He says, nay, my Lord, hear me. The field give I thee and the cave that is therein. I give it thee in the presence of thy sons of my people. Give I it thee, bury thy dead. Here you go, man. Just take it. It's for you. 
But Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land, and he spake unto Ephraim in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. He's saying, Listen, I want to buy this thing. I will give thee the money for the field. Take it of me. I will bury my dead there. And Ephraim answered Abraham, saying unto him, My Lord, hearken unto me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. For a guy that didn't want to, you know, he's just like, go ahead and take it. It's funny, he had a price in his mind the whole time. And by the way, it was a very high price. What is that betwixt me and thee? As close as we are, Abraham. I mean, come on, man. What's the, what, 400 shekels of silver, that's nothing. Bury thy dead. And so the Bible says, And Abraham hearkened unto Ephraim, and Abram weighed to Ephraim the, the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, current money with the merchant. And the field of Ephraim, which is in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave, which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field, that were in all the borders round about, were made sure unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of the children of Heth before all that went in at the gate of the city. Forgive me, it's a lengthy reading. Let's go ahead and finish the chapter. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan, and the field and the cave that is therein were made sure, everybody say made sure, made sure. There was no questions when it was said and done. The field is bought, burial is taken care of. It was made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. And I want to just use this as a springboard today and hopefully here in a minute it will make a little bit more sense to the young people that I want to preach to. I'll just say this, I want to preach to everybody that's here today. But I want to preach on this subject. It's no time for negotiation. It's no time for negotiation. There are times when you just got to stand up and say, no, 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 uh-uh. Here's the money. Let's, let's, let's settle this. It's going to be done when we get done talking. And I believe the Lord wants to help us today. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Amen. Why don't we pray and just ask that God would have his way in this house the next few minutes. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the Spirit of the Lord that we feel in this house. Thank you for everyone that is in this place. Bless your people. Bless your word to our hearts. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, why don't we just love him together? Let's lift our voice to him. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. Clap your hands and give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. I did want to say how much I appreciated uh, the music today. Wasn't that beautiful? Somebody's been practicing around here. Amen, amen. Genesis chapter number 23 is a chapter that uh, often uh, gets a little bit neglected compared to, um, well, especially the chapter immediately preceding. And Genesis chapter number 22, of course, is the story of Abraham where God comes to him and asks him an unusual request. He asks him to take his son, his only son that he loved, and offer him as a sacrifice. That's in Genesis 22. We've heard a lot of preaching, and rightly so, out of this uh, chapter. But again, Genesis 22 sometimes gets a little bit overlooked. It's, it's just kind of a, 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 a sequel, a, 
a little bit of a, um, I don't know, a, a, a less, uh, less in interesting uh, episode in the life of Abraham. But when you begin to study this chapter, there's a lot that happens here that happens for the very first time in your Bible. The Bible lets us know that in Genesis 23, it's packed full of firsts. And if you study your Bible, you understand that anytime something happens for the first time in the Bible, it's good to uh, sit up and pay a special attention. In Genesis 23, it is, uh, we read for the first time of somebody actually mourning for somebody that had passed away. It's in Genesis chapter 23 that we read for the first time that there was property in land. Somebody owned the land. Genesis 23, in the passage we read, uh, for the first time in your Bible records that land was purchased. It's in Genesis 23 that you read for the first time of, of silver being used as as money, as a medium of exchange. Uh, in this chapter, you read for the first time of a, of a standard of weight. The shekel is a standard of weight, and it's the first time in your Bible you will read about a standard of weight. There's a lot of firsts that are happening here. But there is a especially interesting first that occurs in Genesis 23, and that is, it is the first time in your Bible that you read about somebody being buried. It is the first time you read about that. It is the first time uh, that it occurs in the pages of Scripture. And as you read this passage and you read about Abraham and uh, burying his wife, the process involved, you, read, you immediately notice that there is an importance that Abraham places upon this thing called burial. He spends some time here. He is willing to invest money here. He understands, obviously, it's an important thing. And uh, I, I understand that I'm, I'm talking today to uh, young people, but also to all the saints of God that are here today and every guest that's here. And that is to, uh, I'm thankful that I'm with people that understand as apostolics, we understand the importance of burial. Amen. And let me explain that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that we have been buried with him in baptism. The Bible says again, Paul speaking in Colossians 2, that we have been buried with him in baptism. Amen. Is there anybody today that's glad that you've been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of all your sins? I'm 44 years old, but I still remember as a six-year-old little boy in uh, Reno, Nevada, when I was baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. I'm glad that I've been buried. And if this is your first time here, or maybe you haven't been here a long time, or this has been your church home for a while, can I just remind you, we put a big emphasis on being baptized in Jesus' name. I'm glad I've been buried. I'm glad I've been washed. I'm glad the blood of Jesus has washed my sins away. Amen. In fact, every time I come to the house of God, I want that to be at the top of my mind. Jesus, you gave me the Holy Ghost. You forgave my sins. And I was baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. Anybody happy today you've been baptized in the name of Jesus? Amen, amen. And the Bible says that when Abraham talked about burial, he used some words that are interesting. The Bible says that he, he said, I want to bury my dead out of my sight. 
Amen. I, you'd almost think that's obvious, but, but the Bible says it in verse 4, and then it says it again in verse 8, buried out of my sight. I believe it's emphasizing teaching us today that when you are baptized, your sins are baptized, buried out of your sight. Amen. Can I tell some young people today, if you've been carrying condemnation around, it's not the will of God for you to live condemned. It's not the will of God for you to live looking over your shoulder. Amen. I feel like preaching that. It's not the will of God for your past to haunt you. I've come to tell you there is power being baptized in the name of Jesus. When you're washed, your sins are gone. He takes them and throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. I'm glad I've been baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. You ought to clap your hands and thank God for it today. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Also, the Bible says about burial. I'm just talking about burial in context of baptism. The Bible says that when Abraham bought this portion of ground, he got more than he bargained for. Amen. He was trying to get a spot for his wife to be buried. He asked for the end of the field. But the Bible says when he bought the field, he got the field and he got the cave. He didn't just get the cave, but the Bible says he got all the trees that were in the field. He got all the borders round about. I, I want to tell you, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're getting more than you thought you were. Hallelujah. You may have just thought you were joining the church. I'm here to tell you, you got more than that. You may have been told it was just to show your faith. Can I tell you, it was more than that. When you were baptized, yes, faith was involved, and yes, you're a part of the body. But I've come to tell you, young person, when you were baptized in the name of Jesus, sins were remitted. My life was changed. Talking about being born again, new creature in Christ on this Saturday afternoon. I've got a lot of reason to praise God, give him glory. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody ought to give the Lord some praise today. Amen, amen. Are you glad you've been baptized in Jesus' name? Amen. But I, I, I do want to drive home that the most important lesson we learn from the burial of Abraham's wife, the most important lesson we learn from Genesis 23 when it came to burial is the fact that Abraham was very clear that he was not looking for a bargain. Abraham wasn't there trying to get, you know, the, the cheapest, uh, you know, part of ground he could find. He, he wasn't just trying to find somewhere, you know, wrapper in newspapers and say she would have wanted it that way. He wasn't trying to be cheap. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when it comes to baptism in Jesus' name, amen, it's not time to negotiate. There are some subjects that you can haggle on. There's some subjects you can barter. There are some subjects that there is a little bit of give and take. There are some subjects that are up for discussion. But when I cut, when it comes to this doctrine of who Jesus is, this Acts 2.38 salvation, this holiness living, I'm come to tell you, I want to pay the full price. 
The whole world may be looking for a deal, looking to negotiate. But I believe I'm preaching to some young people today that would say, I come and I want to pay the price. I'm not looking for a deal. I'm not looking for shortcuts. I'm ready to pay the full price. If you feel that way, I want you to give God some praise right now. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Is it all right if I just preach this a little bit? There's sometimes where it's just not a time, it's not a time to negotiate. Amen. And again, as you read Genesis 23, you got to kind of read and, 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 and let it drift up to you from Scripture, the whole story. What you have is Abraham wanting to buy something for his wife, a person of ground to bury her. And then you got this guy named Ephraim. And I, man, I, I'd love to meet Ephraim. I, I got a, I've got a picture in my mind of what he looks like. I can see him now. And, and uh, anyway, I got to be careful how to describe him. He just, he gets a, he's like that guy that's trying to sell you a used car that the transmission doesn't work. You know, the, tar, the tires are bald. And, and uh, he's, he's walking you over on this side of the car because there's a big ding on that side of the car. Amen. Abraham's saying, I want to buy it. And Ephraim's saying, I want to give it. And he doesn't mean that. There's a, some of the commentators say it was just an Eastern affectation, which meant that the receiver would make ample recompense. That's a fancy way of saying he was just trying to get the price higher. Amen. He's looking good in front of his buddies. He's saying, between you and me, we're so tight. I can't imagine even charging for this. But, but we're, Abraham, we go back so far, I, I give it to you. But Abraham looks the dude in the eye and says, I'm not here to play your game today. If we were talking about buying a, 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 I don't know, buying a, a, a donkey, I'd be willing to negotiate. If it was another portion of ground where I was going to build a house, I might be willing to negotiate. But we're talking about burial. I'm here to tell you there's some subjects that are not negotiable. There's some subjects there's no room to compromise. There's some subjects when the devil comes to you and starts winking and smirking and trying to come from the left and to the right, trying to, to negotiate with you, you need to stare him back in the eye and say, I'm ready to pay the price, the full price. You're not taking anything away from me. I am here to pay the full price. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite statements in the whole chapter. So you got this dude, he's kind of winking and smirking, you know. Amen. Abraham, we go, you know, we're tight, bro. I mean, come on, man. I, I'd give this to you. We are, we go way back. And, and, and then he makes this statement. He says, he says, um, but by the way, I, I do know that I just had it appraised and it's worth 400 shekels of silver. And then he says, but what is that between you and me? I mean, I mean, 400 shekels of silver. We're, and, 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 and Abraham does not blink. He just says, all right, here's your money. I'm going to tell you, when it comes to some things, there's no room for negotiation. Amen. Now, I, I, wanna, I want you to understand what I'm talking about here. There is a time he was a master at it. Sometimes he wasn't always as honest as he should have been. Amen. When we first get acquainted with him in Genesis 12, Amen. He's got this beautiful wife that happens to be a half-sister, and he's afraid this king is going to steal her. And so he tells the king, he says, yeah, she's my sister. He forgets to tell him that they're married. And he does it eight chapters later. Again, same lie. Tells another guy, yeah, she's my sister. And, and uh, 
And, and one time uh, he, he's talking to God and, and God had promised him a son and they had waited for so long. Finally, Abraham just says, oh, God, I wish you'd just take Ishmael, this, this other kid that was not the promised son. And the classic negotiation of Abraham, we're all familiar in chapter 18, just four chapters before, it's when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says, how can I do that without talking to my friend? And, and Abraham looks at God and he says, God, I want to make a deal with you. He said, God, if there was 50 righteous people in that city, would you destroy the, the city? For, if there's 50 righteous, that's, you don't do that kind of stuff, God. I mean, we're tight, Lord. I mean, would you do that? And, and the Lord says, I, Abraham, I wouldn't do it for 50. And Abraham, the, the ultimate haggle, the ultimate bargain continues. And, and Abraham says, Lord, would you do it if there's 45? And God says, no. I wouldn't do it for 45. And then he gets him down to 40 and 30 and 20 and 10. And God finally just, and, and I don't, I think the only reason Abraham stopped at that point is he was sure there was 10 righteous in that city. So Abraham was not afraid to negotiate. The difference was when it came to Genesis 23, we're talking about burial. And I want to say something that's important here. You are blessed with a man of God that knows how to preach this gospel, that loves this apostolic truth. You are blessed. That's why a large part of why there's revival here and future and growth. I'm talking about revival here at East Bay. Amen. But I, I think if you've lived for God at any length of time, you will understand that, that there are differences between ministries. Amen. Differences of personality and even sometimes small differences of the way uh, um, certain, the way they run the church or administer the church or, or even in some cases the standards of the church. And that's not taken away from the word of God. It's just God has given ministry that are working with what they've got where they are at. My point is there is room for movement. There is room for working and you got to give the man of God room for that but I want to stop and tell you at the same time while there may be room in some areas when it comes to some subjects there's no room for negotiation young people I, I'm just here to preach in 2021 there's some subjects you don't negotiate on there's some things that are so valuable there's some things that are so sacred there there are some truths that are so right that you got to stand up straight with your shoulders back and look the devil and the world in the eye and say, I ain't backing up when it comes to this one God, Jesus name, apostolic, Holy Ghost tongue talking truth. I'm here to preach today. There's some things we don't negotiate on. Amen. You can be seated, Abraham. It's very clear here. There's no dis discussion when he names the price. Yeah. It's over. That's all I wanted. I wanted the price. What's the price? I'm talking to young people. It's time for young people to say, God, I'm willing to pay the price. <laughs> Amen. Abraham never asks another question after that. You want 400 shekels? Here you go. And he lays it out. Cash on the barrel head. The deal's done. No back and forth. He doesn't kick the tires one more time. He takes the pink slip, gives him the money, says it's done. He doesn't say, you mean I got to be baptized? 
baptize? You mean I got to be baptized in Jesus' name? He says, no. When it comes to burial, there is no negotiation. He doesn't say, will you take 350? Will you take 375? No, he pays the 400. And the Bible says because he did that, the field was made sure. The cave was made sure. He got the trees because he didn't bargain with burial. Hallelujah. And I'm talking to a church. If there ever was a day for youth to get a revelation of this doctrine, if there ever was a time for young ladies to fall in love with the word of God, if there ever was a time for elders and young men and middle-aged people, saints of God, to fall head over heels in love with this truth, I'm not turning back. I don't care what anybody else does. Backsliding's not an option. Backsliding's not an option. Getting cold's not an option. Pastor, I'm here. I'm involved. Show me what to do. When it comes to living for God, I ain't packing up. Hallelujah. I've got my mind made up. I'm living for Jesus. Come on, lift your hands and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, praise him right now. Hallelujah. I need you to receive what the Lord is doing right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands one more time and give the Lord some praise. Amen. Amen. This is, this is a time in Abraham's life where he says there's no room for negotiation. And I want you to notice, there are times in a life and in a church when a church comes to a point and says, God, I want to be, I want to have largeness of heart. I, I want to be able to, like Daniel, to, to function in my world. I, I don't want to be a fool. I, but God, there comes a point. Where I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have planted my feet. I'm rock solid in this truth. I'm not here to negotiate. Because can I tell this church, this is bigger than just you. This ain't just about you, sir. This is not just about you, young lady, young man. This ain't just about you. This is bigger than you. The Bible says that when Abraham bought this this field, this cave, it had a name. It was called Macpila. Everybody say Macpila. Sounds like something you'd order for McDonald's, I guess. You know, like a, I don't know, supersized rice pilaf. I don't know. Macpila. It means something, though. In the, in the language of the day, it means it was a double. It, the word means double. It means in the Septuagint, it says that it was a double cave. Everybody say a double cave. One commentator says the cave was probably hewn out of solid rock and, and divided into two parts. Amen. That just that means there was more than room for just his wife. Abraham wasn't just investing in him and his wife. It was bigger than him. It was for generations of burial. The Bible says in verse 19, Sarah was buried there. But if you go to chapter 25, Abraham got buried there too. 
You go to chapter 49, and you got an old man who now is actually Abraham's grandson, but he's an old man. His name is Jacob. And Jacob is talking to Joseph, and he says, when you bury me, don't you bury me in some weird place. You take me to Machpelah. It matters where I'm buried. Amen. And so, and you read in chapter 49, Abraham and Sarah are buried there. But did you know that Isaac was buried there? Abraham's son was buried. I'm going to tell you, this is bigger than you, young lady. This is about your kids. The Bible says that not only was Isaac buried there, but Rebekah was buried there. The Bible also says that Jacob's wife had already been buried there. Leah got there. It's interesting that Rachel didn't make it, apparently. Amen. And then Jacob in Genesis 50. The Bible says it's one of the most beautiful moving passages for several verses. The Bible talks about uh, this old man has died and this old man has been embalmed. The Egyptians took him. They did it the Egyptian way. But he said, you can do that. You can embalm me. But when you bury me, you got to take me to Machpelah. In the Bible, if you can read it in Genesis 50, it's a big production. It's dramatic. It's like everybody in Egypt's getting stirred up. Joseph goes to Pharaoh and he says, you know, my, my dad, he's got this special request. He says, when I am buried, when I die, Brother Harris, oh, hallelujah, when I am buried, I got to be buried right. And Joseph tells Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, well, I mean, if your daddy said it, we're going we're gonna to honor it. And, and the Bible says that they, they, the Egyptians embalm and they wait for 40 days as the Egyptians did. And the Egyptians mourn Jacob for 70 more days. And, and then the Bible says that Joseph gets all of the servants. He gets the elders of the house. They all get up and they get their dad in this coffin. They, they, it's kind of morbid for, for post-COVID, isn't it? Amen. Help us, Jesus. And they get all these people, Joseph's house, his brethren, his father's house, even the little ones that were waiting in Egypt. Can you imagine the kids saying, what's the big deal? What's the occasion? Everything's happening today, is it? You know, are we going to Disneyland today? What's going on? And they say, no, no, no. We're going to bury Papa. Papa Israel. He's got to be buried right. The Bible says they had chariots. You read it. Chariots and horsemen. And a very great company. All of this so Jacob could be buried right. And the Bible says even the Canaanites of the land got up and they said, we know what's going on. We've heard about the mourning in Egypt. It's all about one old man that says when I'm buried, I got to be buried like my grandpa. And I got to be buried like my grandma. And I got to be buried like my mom and dad. I got to go down in Jesus' name. I'm preaching to somebody today. This is bigger than you. Decisions, young lady, that you are facing right now, it's bigger than you. Young man, decisions that the devil is coming to you smirking and winking. He'll come in the back door. He'll say, what's the big deal? Come on, you got to be kidding me. This ain't that much. I'll give it to you. Come on now, work with me, child. I'm, there needs to be somebody that stands up, puts their shoulders back, and says, no, when it comes to bear it matters it's gotta be right I feel like the Lord is talking let's lift our hands and let's love him come on let's love him hallelujah 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 Amen, amen. I, I, I want to move quickly, but I, I do want to drive this point home. 
So Jacob is buried there. The Bible says that later when Joseph died, he said, and I don't know if Machpelah was full, but he, his dad, Jacob, had bought a portion of ground near there in Canaan. Amen. And really, a lot of the negotiation sounds the same. He paid for it with silver, and it just brings back uh, Genesis 23. But Joseph, when he died, he said, when you bury me, you got to bury me in Canaan land. And Moses took his bones, and, 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 and they apparently got him in a coffin and got him all ready. And then later, it was about 200 years later, that those bones sat in a coffin. But I'm going to tell you, it's worth waiting for to do it right. And they buried him in Canaan land. The Bible later on says that it wasn't just Joseph. It was all of his brothers. Did you know that? All 12 of the patriarchs were buried in that place where Joseph was. You can read Stephen's message in Acts 7. He says they were buried there. That means Reuben was there, and Gad was there, and Issachar was there, and Dan was there. I'm preaching to somebody this decision that the devil has been bringing to you, this opportunity where he's saying it's not that big a deal. Come on. Surely we can work something out. Surely we can come to an agreement. Surely it's not that. Come on. The Holy Ghost has come to tell somebody it is a big deal. This may affect your entire youth group. Somebody standing up and say, no, no, I'm going to live for Jesus. No, no, I'm going to be an apostolic. No, no, I am going to be a worshiper. When I come to God's house, I'm going to clap my hands and lift my voice and shout unto God. It's a big deal. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I'm just telling you, there are some things that are not negotiable. Can I talk to you tonight or this afternoon, whatever it is, and tell you that deliverance in living for God is not negotiable. The Bible talks about how he is, his delivering power can set people free. I'm here to preach that Jesus is still able to set people free. I'm here to tell you, if the Son shall make free, you shall be free indeed. We're living in a world, there's a lot of people that are just kind of getting used to being bound. Amen. They'll have liberty and victory in all these other areas of their life, but there'll be one area that they say, well, I, I'm doing good everywhere else. I, I'll, just, I'll just learn to live this way. This is just how I am. I, I've tried. I've went to the altar and repented. I'm just going to give up and just let the devil can have that one room of my heart. I've come to preach to you there's no room for negotiation. Can I preach to you today? Jesus can set you free. And when the sun shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. I got to get your attention. You got to hear me now. Jesus can set you free today. He can set your mind free. He can set your heart free. I don't care how many times you come to an altar and repented. Come again. Come one more time. A righteous man falls seven times but he gets back up again. You know the only difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man? It's that next time. Just keep coming back and get up again. Negotiate not with the devil. He sh Jesus can set you free. Come on, lift your voice to him. Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I really am getting closer to being done than you think but I'm here to tell you there are some things 
that are not negotiable. There are some things that the devil will come to you. He doesn't just come once. He'll come repeatedly. And he didn't just come in the same way. He'll come back another time and he'll, he'll try to bring up another issue. Well, what about this? Or He'll present the same thing in a different light. I'm telling you, there's got to be a people of God that can look at a world that's weakened and smirking and saying, what's the big deal that we can stand up and say, it's not negotiable. I, I really am almost done. I want somebody to come to the music, but I'm going to tell this church something. You know something else that's not negotiable? Revival is not negotiable. I'm here to tell you, having apostolic revival is not negotiable. Amen. Just as surely as this new birth message is in the Bible, oneness of God, I'm here to tell you it's the will of God for East Bay to explode in apostolic revival. Amen. And it is my pleasure, my joy to walk in here and see what God has done. I'm The cool part is I haven't got to see all the work. I just come in and go, wow, awesome. But can I tell you, you ain't seen nothing yet. Some listen, we're not, it's not time to get comfortable. It ain't time to cruise. It ain't time to listen to people that say, well, you know, you you need to ignore that and have revival. Apostolic tongue talking, Holy Ghost revival. Amen. I, there needs to be a spirit in this church and in young people that say, I'm going to keep teaching Bible studies. I'm gonna, we're going to see people getting the Holy Ghost all the time. It's going to keep on happening. We're never, we're never getting to the point we're satisfied. Amen. Anybody remember that in the book of Acts, there was 120 that got the Holy Ghost. Does anybody remember there was 3,000 that got baptized? Apparently got the Holy Ghost like that. Then the Bible says it exploded to about 5,000. And then there were so many, it was multitudes. I'm just here to tell you, we don't need to be content with what God has done. We need to be thankful. Anybody shouting happy over what the Lord has done? I'm going to tell you, I'm glad for the souls. I'm glad for the revival. I'm excited about these young people. I walked in here and I looked, and I'm like, my Lord, look at all those young people singing, sitting on these chairs. And, and, I, 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 and, and then I'm sure there's others that are represented in Bible studies and different things. Maybe some that aren't able to be here. But what is here and I'm seeing is unbelievable. But can I tell you, revival is not negotiable. Amen. It's not negotiable. Did not God prophesy that in the last days... I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Did not the Bible say that I will pour out my spirit that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy? I'm talking to this church. Some of you need to push back against the spirit of the Bay Area that says you can have so much revival, but only so much. It's time for an apostolic church to push back against the spirit that says you can get so big, but only so big to push back and say that's not negotiable we're going to have revival in Jesus name hallelujah anybody glad to be an apostolic anybody glad to be an apostolic come on lift your hands and praise him if you're glad to be an apostolic come on let's feel after the Holy Ghost I feel someone to break into this house come on lift your voice Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands. Somebody ought to praise God. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
revival time. It's apostolic Holy Ghost revival time. Uh, hallelujah. Come on, let's feel after this just a little bit more. Hallelujah. 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 I'm done preaching, but I, I want to say this. Amen. I, I, I don't know you, but I do know the spirit of our world that's come pushing back on people. Amen. I, I do know the spirit of Ephraim is live and well today. The spirit of Ephraim that says, come on, let's, let's make a deal here. Let's, come on, are you serious? That's not that important. You're trying to tell me that this is absolutely essential. I'm telling you, that's the spirit of our age. It's the spirit of Ephraim. It's been there from the beginning. And God put it in Genesis 23 to teach us a lesson. It's time for somebody to stand up and say, I'm not for sale. This is not negotiable. I'm pushing back in Jesus' name. It's time for some young people to say, Pastor, I'm behind you. A hundred percent. I'm in it. I'm on it. I'm come on. Work. What do I do need to do? I want revival. I, I want apostolic Holy Ghost tongue talking revival. Amen. And right now I feel the Lord wanting to help somebody. Maybe the devil's been visiting you. Maybe he's been tempting you. Maybe it's been coming through family or friends. Maybe they've been telling you you don't need all that. You don't need repentance. You don't need baptism in Jesus' name. You don't need the Holy Ghost. You don't need all that fundamentalist Bible stuff. There needs to be somebody that stands back up and says, Oh, no, no. It's in the Word of God. It's not for sale. I'm not here to negotiate. And right now, it's time for us to pray. Anybody ready for God to talk to our hearts? Right now, I'm, I'm open this front. Whatever you normally do, you do that. But right now, it's time for somebody to pray. If you feel to come, if you feel to pray where you're at. But I don't want you to pray quiet. Don't pray silent. Ephraim does not need a meek answer. But the spirit of this age needs, hallelujah, needs somebody to stand up and say, I'm going to stand for something. 